How do you pack for a trip? Now, uh, some of you maybe don't even hardly think about it. Some of you have a list. Some of you have a certain way you roll or pack or stuff. Some of you, it's a, you know, if you're asked to do your whole trip in just a carry-on, you can't do it. Others of you, if you have the whole trunk full, you know, that's more your style. Everyone packs just a little, I see arrows, fingers pointing already at each other. Take a moment just to turn to people, hopefully maybe even someone that you didn't come with this morning so that you meet someone new. And just explain, when you pack for a trip, how do you pack? Do you have any packing tips that you can pass along? Just take a moment. <laughs> to pull it in, to start to wrap up. Okay, okay, let's uh, pull it in together. I get the I get the sense that for some of you that's your favorite part of the service, <laughs> uh, and for others of you, if you're more introverted, perhaps it's it's not so much. But um, anyone just have uh, just a quick thing, maybe e- either a tip that you picked up from somebody else, or maybe you just want to tell us something about how you pack, Lloyd. Pack your comb, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carrying just, just the opposite. Yeah. Everything. Packing everything. Yeah. Remember to take your Bible. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, bonus points for you there, uh, O'Neill. Uh, anyone else? All right. Well, you know, I. I Depends where you're going, for sure. Listen. Yeah, I, I can already. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, you know, there's so many considerations. Some of us are happy just to go and fly by the seat of our pants. Others of us, you know, it depends on, you know, where we're going, what we're doing. And uh, I, I'm one of those ones that once in a while, I like, uh, particularly if I'm uh, going to the, an event that just happened a few weeks ago, Oasis, where uh, uh, Baptists from around our region gather in one spot for a few days. When I go to those types of events, I like to be as light as possible because I get to see all kinds of people from around Atlantic Canada that I don't usually see. So I kind of try to pack light and be flexible. When I have my kids with me, it feels like a different story. Some of you know what that's like. When, when my kids were very young, we could hardly fit it all in one, you know, van. The trunk was never big enough. It seemed like we were, you know, strapping things to the roof and, and so on. Uh, but, you know, each of us has our own packing methods. Some of us have a list that we follow because we don't want to forget something. Others of us, you know, it's much different. Well, today the scripture reading that Doug read for us, um, Jesus gave a packing list to his disciples when he sent them out on a trip. And they were each to go out two by two, and he sent them off on a mission to share um, and to bless and to do ministry. And he told them to pack quite lightly. We're going to get into some of that as we go. It's not the main part of uh, the sermon. We're not going to focus on packing lessons from Jesus today. Um, but we are going to focus on some of what the story tells us about uh, what Jesus' heart for us is and what that means for us as we live and do ministry as well. 
So uh, let's let's get into uh, the first slide here. And in the section that Doug read for us, we had sort of two major parts, two major events that happened. The first is the disciples were sent out, and that was in Mark chapter 6, verse 7. Jesus sends out the disciples two by two, and they're to go out and to teach and preach. And what's actually quite interesting about this moment is that it's very early in the Gospel of Mark, very early in the story. And so very early... Jesus is involving his students in going out into the world and sharing in the same type of teaching and ministry that he himself is doing. They don't yet know the full extent of Jesus' power and ability, his wisdom. They haven't been with him a tremendous amount of time to know all that he has taught. And yet Jesus already involves them in the work that he's doing. And then we see later in the chapter by verse 30, that they return. Now, in the middle, there's a whole section uh, that's completely different than this part of the story. It's, it's like if you were watching a movie, and then there is a scene about a different part of the story entirely, and then it returns to that moment. Now, it's not completely unrelated, of course, and yet it's not related to the story of the sending and returning from that mission trip. So these two moments happen, and then after that, when the disciples return... A whole other story unfolds that you might be more familiar with. It's the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 men and their families, miraculously. We're going to look at that story a little bit, but I want us especially to focus on what's happening with the disciples here, because for each of us, it's something we can consider for our own selves, what it's like to be a disciple or a follower, a student of Jesus. So let's get into this a little bit more. Let's go to the slide here. So in Mark 6, 6 through 9, we see this. Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. He called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. Now, that's a significant job. It's the kind of work that Jesus has been doing in bringing healing to people. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, No traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Why is Jesus giving specific direction for how they should pack for this trip? In fact, he he doesn't lay out, here are the eight things that I want you to teach. He doesn't lay out instructions for what they should do or exactly where they should go, at least not recorded in the story. The main focus of this story at this point is Jesus tells them how they are to go about this ministry, and that's to go about it in complete dependence on God and the hospitality of the people they meet. This is surprising, perhaps, for us, because we would think that if Jesus' desire is to spread a certain message or certain teaching, that he would be most concerned about what they teach. And he would sort of say to them, You teach this, whatever you need to do to go on a journey, whatever you need to pack to make that happen, take whatever you need. But instead, what Jesus is doing is he's giving them a very limited list of what they're to take because it's most important for them to realize this isn't about them and their own abilities. This is about their dependence on God, a sense of humility, 
about themselves. And it's also to allow the people around them to see they're not coming with a bunch of tricks. They're not coming with a bunch of gimmicks. They're coming in humility and simplicity. And God is doing the work. So this is an interesting moment for us. Perhaps you've never thought about this. Maybe you've never even read this passage before. Uh, you know, sometimes when I, when I pack, I think about all the things that what could happen. What if the weather is really, really good? Well, I'll only need some shorts and some shirts, but what if it's bad? Well, I'll need a sweater and I'll need some long pants and I'll need different shoes for this activity if we do this. And I'm getting to a certain point now where my health is, I've got to make sure I pack certain pills. I've got to have my CPAP machine there. I'm starting to get a longer list of medical devices and things that I need to go everywhere. You know, it's, it's amazing I can even walk around sometimes, it seems like, starting to get to that age. But, you know, we have this long list of things we're dependent on. But here, what Jesus says to his disciples is, don't depend on the comforts of this world. Don't even take a change of clothes. Just take a walking staff. Don't take any money. Don't even take food. Don't take that favorite snack. You know, every time I get in the car with my kids for any distance, we drove to New Hampshire to see my family. I'm packing snacks for the journey. So we don't have to stop at every other gas station, you know, and get something to eat or go to the bathroom. You know, there's just so many things you do to try to prepare. But Jesus says, don't take any food. Don't take any money. What he's teaching them is to be dependent on God and dependent on God to take care of all their needs. So this is interesting. So he allowed them to wear sandals, so he didn't say you have to go barefoot, but not to take a change of clothes. This is pretty stripped down, pretty bare. Interesting. Let's go to the next uh, verses here. Now we see their return. You see what's kind of focused on here as the story is told. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour, and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they have had a busy, busy time. So much so that they're not even having time to eat. I don't know about you, but when I'm busy, I still want to eat. Right? But there's certain days and there's certain times where you're just going from one thing to another and there's very limited opportunities to even take care of those basics. I don't usually forget a meal. I'll tell you that. But, but when I'm busy, like you, sometimes you just don't get to eat and life gets going. And so they've had a busy time. And what does Jesus say to them in that moment? Well, this is interesting because we see here Jesus as a human, fully human, and in a moment we'll see more fully his power as being fully God as well. But as fully human, Jesus is recognizing the need to rest. And he values that for them. He values that for himself as well. And so it's important for us to recognize, yes, a simplicity, a humility, but Jesus isn't some slave driver either. Jesus isn't looking just to squeeze every ounce out of us that we can. Jesus wants us to rest, to take a while to breathe. And even in our resting, it's a moment for us to realize our dependence on God. Because if we can never stop, if we can never take a break, if we can never take a vacation, 
then we probably feel like the world is all on our shoulders. But resting means that we are trusting it to God. And so Jesus has instructed them to do ministry in a way that depends on God, but now he's also instructed them to rest, to relax in a way that depends on God. And so it says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. I hope over the summer months, maybe you've had a chance to go off to a quiet place and rest a while. I had a chance to do some of that myself this summer, although when I went to New Hampshire, there was 17 of us, my family, all in one house, and I wouldn't say that that was a quiet place to rest a while. But a few afternoons, I was able to slip off into the bedroom that I had and rest a while, (laughs) and that was good. But Jesus values their rest even as a way of demonstrating their dependence on God. He values them as people, and he says, rest, breathe, let's spend time, just just the little bit of us, away from the crowds, away from the busyness, and we don't even have time to eat, so let's take some time to rest, to eat, to regroup, and to make sure that we are grounded in the life of God. So this all sounds pretty good, Uh, but we quickly see that the story changes here. So they've gone off, they've done significant ministry, they're anticipating a break, some rest. Uh, They've seen that they were to carry very little, and now they've actually also in the process had very little even to eat to take care of their basic needs. But now something else happens. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, uh, Sorry, I, I skipped this part of the passage just in terms of the slides, but what happens now is that they they are followed by uh, the crowd. And they are so popular. Jesus is so popular in his teaching and in his ministry. And the disciples now have gone out and they've started to gather their own uh, sort of attention. And so they're being followed. And even though they're planning this time for rest and relaxation for a break, just to be able to even eat, the crowds find them. And when Jesus sees this, he has compassion on them and says, okay, Okay, let's, let's take care of these people here. And he begins teaching, and he begins teaching. But as the day wears on, you can imagine at this point, the disciples are probably feeling hungry. They haven't had a lot of time to eat. They've been carrying very little. They haven't had the break that Jesus had just talked about. They're probably starting to feel the heat of the sun. They've been traveling. They're weary. And they come to Jesus... And here's what happens. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Seems pretty reasonable, right? You know, this would be like if you had guests that suddenly showed up in your house unexpectedly and, you know, you're, you're getting to the point where, um, you know, it's almost supper time and you're starting to think like, oh, I didn't really, I didn't plan anything. I, I need to get groceries. I don't have any. Uh, I've been away traveling. I wasn't expecting these guests. And they start thinking to themselves, let's get rid of the guests. Let's get everyone gone so that we can, you know, find something to eat. They can find something to eat. We don't have, we don't have, can't be troubled with all of this. You know, you can kind of understand maybe how they felt in that moment. What are they going to do? So let's pack it up. You know, this is one of those moments like you don't have to go home, but you got to get out of here. 
you know? So the party's over. Send them all home. But Jesus said to them, you feed them. You feed them. They've been traveling. The fridge is empty. There's hardly anything around. You know, the bread has gotten moldy because it was sitting there and they should have put it away in the freezer and they didn't. And now things, they've got very little food. They, they were told not to carry any food when they traveled. Jesus told them not to bring any food. How are they supposed to suddenly whip something up? Like, they can't just turn on the barbecue and start cooking up. They don't have anything. You can imagine how it would sound to the people in that moment when Jesus says this. You feed them? You feed them? Remember, whenever my voice goes high, that means this is very important. You feed them? (laughs) And so they ask a natural question. With what? With what? The cupboards are bare. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Now, can you imagine if yesterday at the neighborhood party, we suddenly had 5,000 families show up? (laughs) <laughs> that would be something else, wouldn't it? And, and imagine if you're thinking to yourself, do we have enough snacks for everybody? Forget the line to the inflatable bouncy castle. Like, can we feed anybody? Like, how do we, how do we be good hosts in this moment, right? And, and, and Jesus says, you feed them. It's like as if Jesus, we had 5,000 people show up on our lawn and Jesus said to us, order them some pizza. <laughs> First of all, where are we going to get enough pizza for 5,000 people on such short notice? Much less, how in the world are we going to pay for it? You start doing the math in your head thinking, what is the limit on my credit card? And with the amount of people there, I've heard some, some estimate that it would have taken seven months of labor for them to pay for the food for that many people. It's a significant ask that Jesus has made of them. It's a daunting task that he set before them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. And then Jesus asks a question. And throughout this series, we've been looking at questions that Jesus asks. And I want you to hear this simple question that Jesus asks, perhaps in a new way. Jesus asks them, how much bread do you have? Well, Jesus should know because he told them not to bring any food. They're 12 guys, and I don't know about you, but I know that as a guy, I don't plan well for food. And Jesus says to these 12 guys, how much bread do you have? What do you think it would take for 12 people to carry enough food for 5,000 families? Think about the logistics of this here. Think of the practicality. If they had had to carry enough food on their backs, in their, you know, if they'd had to carry enough food for 5,000 families, Jesus would have noticed the amount of food, right? It's not that Jesus is unaware. But Jesus is asking something of them. He says, how much bread do you have? 
what's so interesting, he says, go find out. Like, do the tally. And the disciples are probably walking away thinking like, what is Jesus talking about? This is going to take us about three minutes to figure out there's no food. But they go and they start to see, what do we have? What do we have? Have you tucked anything away? Do you have anything? And in one of the other Gospels, we're told that um, the only food that they find is, is a, a little boy that has some food. So they, they find out how much bread do they have. It's not very much. Let's go to the next slide here as we see what happens as this begins to unfold. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Not only do we have bread, we've got fish. I have sometimes those moments in my own house, not just when guests, you know, when guests come, I try to be prepared, but sometimes my kids are around and, and, you know, work has been busy, life has been busy, and I haven't gone grocery shopping, and I think to myself, what am I going to feed these kids? You know, go to the fridge and think, do I have this? And oh, yeah, not only do I have this, I have this too. Woohoo! We can, we can put together a meal from this. But you can imagine, they're probably coming quite discouraged. Yes, they found some food. But remember the math here. They say, well, we have five loaves of bread and, and two fish. Woohoo! More than we thought. But when you've got five loaves of bread and there's 5,000 families, well, that's a thousand families per loaf of bread. The math isn't looking so good here. But watch what happens. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, is he breaking them into a lot of little pieces? Breaking them into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. Then look what happens here in the story. You see this happening. Jesus is breaking the bread, and it's an interesting word. He kept, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute. And he seems to keep breaking it, and it seems to somehow keep going. I don't know how long it would take to break enough bread to feed 5,000 families, but Jesus keeps going. This is one of those moments in the story where I wish there was a lot more detail. I wish that I knew how this was happening, what they were seeing as this was going on. I don't quite understand what's going on in this moment myself. And yet Jesus is doing something. He's taking the little that they had and he's making it smaller. And yet somehow it's more. And he keeps breaking it and giving it to them. And they keep passing it out. And he divides the fish as well. And then it says they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. What I think is so wonderful now, at this point, let's ask the same question that Jesus had asked earlier. How much bread do you have? How much bread do you have? Well, at the beginning, they had only five loaves. What do they have now? They have 12 baskets of leftovers. 12 baskets of leftovers. And everybody has had as much as they wanted. 
This is amazing. It's one of those miracles that I wish I could have seen with my own eyes. I wish I could understand how Jesus makes something like this happen. I've heard different theories people have had about, oh, well, this probably wasn't a miracle. Probably what they all did is everyone started chipping in their own food and so on. But that's not really what the story's telling us, is it? It's not that there's suddenly a potluck that breaks out, right? Jesus does something incredible, something beyond what they could have imagined. Jesus does something we could have never predicted in this moment. Jesus who began by asking them, how much bread do you have? Now, when we ask the same question, the answer is so much more than when they started. How is that possible? How is that possible? So let's look at a few things here. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus asks a question to shift our focus from our limitations to his limitless ability. When Jesus says, how much bread do you have? He's asking them to shift from what they sense about their limitations. They're thinking, well, we only have five loaves of bread. But instead, what he wants them to do is to look beyond their limitations and see that God is able to do so much more. His capacity is far beyond what we could ever dream even. And so what Jesus is telling them is, I sent you out with nothing, and you had only five loaves of bread, but that is more than enough for me to do all that I want to do here today. What Jesus is saying is, it's not about you, it's not about your abilities, it's not about what you have to offer, although I want to take whatever you have to give and turn it into something so much more. And so Jesus asked the question, how much bread do you have to take them, uh, uh, to help them to focus not on what they are limited with, but on on his limitless ability to do so much greater? Let's go to the next slide here. So with the disciples, what they have been focused on is their limitations. Whoa. You told us not to take anything more than a stick wheel. We don't even have, you know, we're wearing sandals, but we've got very little else. We didn't even bring any money. But Jesus asks them still to bring what they had, the little that they had, the five loaves, the two fish, to find that and to give that to him. To give him their limited resources, to trust him with what they had. And Jesus asks his disciples to look beyond those limitations to see his limitless ability. And then he sees and displays for them these multiplied results. So what does this mean for us today? Let's begin to reflect on this story a little bit more personally now. We reflect on it at a personal level for each of us individually, but I also want us to think about what this might mean for us as a church, as a group of people who follow Jesus. So personally, what you might feel is that you have very little to offer. Sometimes we can think, well, you know, I I see other people do amazing things for God, or I see other people that have incredible abilities or skills. I see people that uh, just seem to gather people around them and be very attractive, and socially they do very well, and I don't seem to be there, or I, I seem to be able to struggle whatever I do and work, and other people seem to thrive and do well no matter what they put their hand to. And 
You know, we can focus on what we can't do. We can focus on our limitations. But what Jesus wants us to hear is, bring whatever you have. It's more than enough. It's more than enough. Whatever you have to give in the hands of Jesus can be so much more. You may feel that you've reached the limit of your energy. You may feel that your time is stretched and thin. There's a line uh, from the Lord of the Rings where uh, the hobbits are talking about how they feel and, and, and they describe it as uh, too little butter over too much toast. And you may feel like that. You may feel that there's never enough food, there's never enough resources, never enough time, never enough energy. You may be very focused on how little you have. And that may be very reasonable. Some of you I know struggle financially or with energy. You know, as a single dad, I know there's times where I think, how am I going to make all these plates keep spinning? How am I as a pastor going to do all the things that this church needs to, to keep going, to, to grow, to find life? How am I going to do that? I'm sure you feel that way just in your own life too, or maybe at work or in relationships that you have. You can feel like too little butter spread over too much toast. And you can be focused on the limitations. You can think, I don't really have anything to offer. Or I'm not very gifted. I'm not very capable. What would Jesus want from me anyway? Not very stunning. Not very overwhelmingly good at anything. That's not the point. Because Jesus sends out His disciples with nothing. Jesus sends out His disciples so that they know it's not about you. It's about what I can do through you. It's not about how little you have. It's about how much I can bring. And how I can take the smallest little bit and turn it into so much more. When you're faithful, when you trust what you have to God, He can use it. And He can multiply it. And incredible things that you could never imagine can happen. And God can use those little interactions, that little bit of energy you have in ways that have a lasting impact in someone else's life. That little bit of kindness could make all the difference for someone else. The $2 you throw in could be the final $2 that are needed to make that thing happen. You just never know what God can do when you are faithful. How much bread do you have? How much bread do you have? How much energy do you have? How much time do you have? How many resources do you have that you can share? Whatever you have, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little, when you allow it to be placed into the hands of Jesus, He can do so much more. He can do so much more. You know, there's different times in my life where I've, I've, I've seen this financially. I think, how am I going to make this happen? And I trust God with what I have, and He does so much more. There's times I think, I don't know how I'm going to make the schedule work this week with my kids or with the work, and, and I just trust whatever I can do, whatever I have to offer, I trust it to God. He does so much more. And when we as individuals just decide to trust God with whatever we have, the little faith that maybe we even have, He'll do so much more. 
And when we as a church, as a group of disciples ourselves, when we as a church begin to trust God with the little that we have to offer, He can do so much more than we could have ever imagined before. When we say, you know, I, I, I don't know that I have much to give. I've just got five loaves of bread and two fish. Doesn't seem like much. And we bring it to contribute to whatever Jesus is doing. It can become so much more. So I want to encourage you in this way. As we come into the fall, some of you are already very tired. You've been on a ministry tour of one kind or another. Maybe you've been doing the same uh, thing here at the church for 10 years. Maybe you're ready for a break. Maybe you're ready to, to call it quits. And I understand that dynamic. Or maybe you've just had a busy summer. Maybe all the vacation time has actually, as wonderful as it's been, has actually left you feeling like you just need more vacation time to recover. Or maybe you feel like you're struggling to know what to do. You're trying to make ends meet. Whatever it might be. As we come into this fall together, what would happen if we all said, I'm going to give whatever I have, whether it's a lot or a little, to Jesus. I'm going to let him to do something. What would happen if we said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to trust God with my finances, and I, maybe I haven't had a regular pattern of giving to the church because I always feel like there's never enough, but I'm just going to trust God and I'm going to give him what I can. I'm going to take a step and I'm going to, I'm going to give maybe more than I thought I had. What if you did that? Or what if you took a step and said, you know, I know that there's a need for this or this. I'll do that. I'll do that. I don't quite know if I have enough energy, but I'm willing to try. I'm willing to trust it to Jesus. What if you had just a little bit of belief that something might work, and when someone comes and knocks on your door and asks if you can help, you say, well, okay, I'll give it a shot. Not out of guilt, not out of obligation, but just a desire to see what maybe Jesus could do with the little that you have to give. What if we did that? What if we, what if we gave the little that we had and trusted to do a whole lot more in the hands of Jesus? You know, folks, yesterday we hosted a party for uh, our neighborhood and we have no idea what Jesus may have done through those moments of friendship and fun that we had together. We have no idea how that may have multiplied out in people's lives. There was one person I met yesterday that I reconnected with after 10 years of doing ministry uh, with the English language training that we did here at Cornerstone. 10 years later, and it's growing into something else. We just never know what Jesus might do We never know how the miracle might come or when. But if we're faithful, Jesus can do so much more. So the disciples were tired. They were hungry. They had little to offer. They felt there was nothing left to give. And yet Jesus, Jesus did it. Whatever we have today, just surrender it to him and trust him to do what we can't even imagine tomorrow. Let's pray together. Jesus, help us to pack light. Not to cling to a lot of other things in this world that we're feeling dependent upon, 
Not to cling to our own skills or abilities. Not to cling to our our own energy supply. Not to cling to our own uh, resources. But instead to, to hold on tightly to you. Help us to to trust that the little we have is more than enough in your hands. And that when we're faithful, we give it to you, you can do so much more. Jesus, we want to see that. And we want to see that kind of flourishing happen in ways we can't even begin to pretend to imagine today. We want to see you at work amongst us. We want to see the miracles happen. And when we have moments where we're feeling tired and we just want to get away, we just want to rest, we want to finally grab something to eat, help us to rely on on the power that is far greater than our own, the life-giving strength that you offer by your Spirit and your presence amongst us. So Jesus, we seek to honor you today and every day as we follow you through it all. In your name we pray. Amen.